Well, I am excited to see each of you tonight, uh, not only because it's Sunday night and we're here and it's worship time and all of the excitement about that, but uh, in light of all of the sickness that is going on in our community right now, I thought it was going to be myself and Ken holding down the fort tonight. So uh, thank you all for being here. It's going to be a wonderful, wonderful evening. So tonight, as well as a number of the nights that have been selected here in January, maybe even going into the first week or two, of February, we have set aside these nights in order for us to explore this This is the Gospel training. And so it's a night in which we're going to kind of be putting a pause on our standard verse-by-verse exposition going through the book of Galatians so that I can cover this particular topic, this is the gospel, focused on discipleship, at the same time that we're walking through vision pieces on Sunday morning. So a major part of the vision that God has burned in my heart for this particular church at this particular time is a lot of what you've been hearing me talk about for the last six months. That is, how can Sherwood be effective at making gospel-centered relationally focused disciples who turn the world upside down for the cause of Christ. How can we be good at disciple making? Not just Christian education, disciple making. Not just changing somebody's outside appearance, disciple making. How can it be that it's not somebody having to hold a person's hand for the next five years, 10 years, 15 years, but rather we train and effectively make disciples who in a short period of time are out on mission with God, effectively training and preparing the next generation of disciples? How can we be about the business of making disciples of Christ? So as we explore some of these ideas, I am going to refer regularly to This is the gospel. If you do not know what I'm talking about in that, let me go ahead and take the mystery out of that for just a moment. This is the gospel is a training material, a training part that I put together out in Las Vegas in order to help make disciples in Las Vegas. And it's something I'm going to share in a few moments, how it is that God has worked through this material, how it's being used in churches around the U.S. as well as in many countries around the world. I will get to that in just a few moments. But for right now, I want to take a couple of moments and set up what are my goals for these evening sessions. So here's the first of my goals. I got four that I'm going to be working through. First of those is I am wanting to set up a gospel dialogue. Here's what I mean by that. I want it to be that not only on Sunday nights, but when you are talking with your friends, when you are posting on social media, when you're sitting in your connect group, when you're talking with your spouse and debriefing in the evenings, when you are sitting with God in his word, here's what I'm praying is going to happen. There is gospel dialogue that is taking place that you are exploring the depths of the gospel message. You're talking about it. You're asking questions. You're, you're reading books that are emphasizing a focus on the gospel. You are going to hear tonight why that is so important. The second piece that I am praying God will do in our time together is provide some essential points of theology. Our actions flow out of our beliefs. If you have the wrong beliefs your actions will follow behind it. 
When your beliefs are right, you at least have the basis for what you need in order to act accordingly. So I am praying that there's going to be some essential theology that's going to be shared on these evenings. Also, I am praying that I'm going to be able to effectively describe to you a number of resources that you're going to be given when this training is done. I will get into that in just a few moments. And then the fourth part is I want to set the stage for relationally centered, gospel-focused disciple-making. And you're going to hear more about disciple-making tonight than you probably ever wanted to hear in your life. But if you come back next week, I'll tell you some more about disciple-making. We're focused on making disciples. This is the gospel, is about discipleship. So the church, and I'm talking the church, big C, has been given a single mission set out by Christ. Make disciples. Every New Testament church has the exact same mission. Every New Testament church does not pursue that mission in the same way. Many times it's pursued differently based on your context, based on the gifting, based on the group that is going out in order to make disciples. But ultimately, at the end of the day, the question has to be, are we making disciples? If at the end of our worship services, there's not more disciples being made, we've failed in that moment. At the end of our connect groups, if there's not more disciples that are being made, we have failed in that moment. If we are serving people, and yet on the other side of that, there's not people growing in their relationship with Christ, and they're walking in a faithful way with Christ. If we're not accomplishing that, something is messed up along the way. Now, here's the thing. I, I want to go ahead and sound the warning sign for you all. You already know it. I'm just going to mention it here. That is... The church in America has largely replaced making disciples with Christian education. We know far more about the Bible than we're living out as followers of Jesus Christ. The issue is going to be when do we live it out? It's not the truth you know that changes your life, it's the truth you live. And if we're not living it, somehow something is not being transferred correctly. So we're about the mission of making disciples. Now, if the mission is to make disciples, it is unbelievably important that we know what a disciple is. It's really, really important that we know how disciples are made. And it is really important that we understand how the gospel is central to every part of discipleship. So I want to encourage you all tonight, as well as on the weeks to follow, to take a lot of notes. We're going old school on note-taking. If you happen to pick up one of the sermon outline sheets, you recognize all it has is a bunch of lines. When I say we're going old school, we're talking old school. It's like you have to fill it in for yourself. So I want to encourage you, take a lot of notes. When you cover the front side of the page, turn that joker over and keep writing on the back side of the page. When you fill up the back side of the page, go ahead and write on your sermon outline sheet from this morning. When you finish that one up, write on your neighbor's sermon outline sheet. They're probably not taking all the notes they should. Just take notes. Now, here's what I want to do to take a little bit of pressure off of you. By the time we're done, in probably four, maybe five weeks with this, you are going to be given a printed version of almost all the material that we're going to go through. 
It's going to be there. There, There's not going to be fill in the blanks in that. You're going to be given a printed version of this material. And I'm excited about that. I want you to have that. But here's the reason why it's so important that we take notes along the way. First, no two trainings that I do are ever the same. There are pieces that God brings up. There's connections and comments and truths that show up in one service that, quite honestly, it might have never have come out before. In fact, this intro is different than any intro I've ever given when sharing the gospel. It's not the intro that I wrote. So what I'm saying is every single time I do this, things are different. So there's not going to be every part that's going to be found in that printed material. It'll be 85, maybe even 90% of all that I'm going to cover is going to be given to you at the end of this training. But here's another reason it's so incredibly important to take notes. When you're listening and you're processing and you're having to write out what you think you just heard in your words, truths sink in deeper at that time. It's engaging the material itself. So if I've not already told you, take a lot of notes. Did you take a note on that? (laughs) Just making sure. All right, so you're going to be taking notes through a lot of this material. Also, you're going to notice along the way that a lot of the material is going to repeat itself. That is done by design. The reason is because I'm going to introduce certain topics at one point, And then we're going to further develop those ideas in the weeks that follow. Another reason that I am giving this information and it repeats itself is because that is one of the best ways people learn information. We learn by repetition. There's another reason why I'm doing this as well. The material that you're going to be getting in the next probably four, maybe five Sunday nights is going to be information that if you are walking through it yourself, or if you are discipling someone with this material, you could take anywhere from three months to 15 months to work through this material with the person that you're discipling. So if you're three months to 15 months, then what you're hearing here, it's a lot more compressed in a five-week format than maybe what it would be if somebody's unpacking it over the course of months. And when you're doing that, it's really important that these truths are being emphasized again along the way. So I want to talk for a moment about what God is currently doing with these materials. I I want you to at least know what it is that we're getting into. So in the last 10 years, I believe we started back in 2012. The last 10 years, we've had an opportunity to train over 4,000 pastors and ministry leaders in 35 different countries around the world with the material that you're going to be going through in the next several weeks. Many of those who have been trained are now continuing to train others. In fact, when COVID was locking down countries all around the world, we're getting reports back of individuals who had been trained in This is the Gospel that were holding their own conferences and training others while other missionaries could not get in. There's people who are continuously around the clock going through these materials, discipling and training others. So the material itself has now been translated or is in the process of being translated into 28 different languages. At this point, there's about half of the world's population that has this particular training in their heart language. 
At this point, this has been found or been translated with English, Spanish, Swahili, Chinese, Arabic, Portuguese, Russian, French. Uh, there's a number of these that are tribal languages that are in here. There's Farsi, there's Amharic, there's different ones all around the world that this has now been translated for them. Now, it's exciting for me to see what God has done with this, but also I think it's important for me to say I never intended to actually write a discipleship curriculum, which is kind of interesting how God does things like that. There's a lot of ministry that happens while you are unintentionally trying to do something else. So here's, here's kind of the backstory on where all of this came together. We were seeing a number of people, many people, come to faith in Christ out in Las Vegas. A lot of these are first-generation believers. These are individuals who had no Christian background whatsoever. We had individuals who were separated from their families. And even if they were been connected to their families, they didn't have a spiritual connection that was coming in. So we got all of these baby believers that are around us, and our heart was, how do we disciple them well? How do we make sure that they don't fall through the cracks? So what I was looking for is a relationally focused follow-up guide for somebody after you lead them to faith in Christ. How do you help them walk it out in maybe the next week or so where the focus is on their relationship with God? I couldn't find anything. I looked everywhere. I couldn't find anything. Now, now let me tell you why this is so important. That is, Baptists are great, absolutely wonderful at saying Salvation is by grace through faith. You cannot work for your salvation. We're even really good about saying Christianity is not about religion, it's about relationship. And everybody's like, amen, woohoo, praise the Lord, I agree. But here's what we do. Right after that person comes into a new relationship with God, we now come back and say, and here's how you become a good Christian you got to go to church, read your Bible, pray, give your money, serve, and witness and share your faith. You know what we just did? We loaded them right back up with religious activities without helping them understand the relationship they just entered into. You know what that's called? Evangelical Catholicism. It's the idea that somehow you can work your way into this. Listen, if you couldn't work your way into salvation, you will never be able to work your way into sanctification. The same gospel that transforms a person's heart at salvation is the same gospel that you're dependent upon the Holy Spirit of God to work out in your sanctification along the way. The issue is, how do you help people understand where all of those other pieces fit? Because reading your Bible is important. Coming to church, it's important. Serving others, it's important. Giving, it's important. But unless somebody understands how it connects back to their relationship, listen to this. A lost person can show up at church. A lost person can give money. A lost person can serve others. A lost person can read a Bible. A lost person can even verbalize, God, these are things I need. All of that doesn't make someone a Christian. And if they don't understand how it leads into an intimate relationship with God, they can spend the rest of their lives 
going through religious activity, always thinking something's missing. Like it's, it's good, but there's times that they'll be in a worship service and it's almost like there's a flash that there's something more than what they're experiencing in that moment. But then they look around and they're like, well, everybody else seems to be doing the same things I'm doing right now. And about the time it comes into their mind, it goes back away somewhere else. My thing is, I want to train people from the very beginning that you entered a relationship with God, and for the rest of your life, it is about that relationship with God. Everything God desires to do in and through your life, he will accomplish out of the overflow of your relationship with him. And if we can't help people understand that and embrace the relationship, they will never experience the abundant life that Jesus spoke of in John chapter 10, verse 10. So all of that being said, I could not find any follow-up material that focused on the relationship, where the focus, the key, the, the teaching was going back to the relationship. So I went through and I wrote a seven-day guide, and I'm not very creative in my titles. I called it The Relationship because it's about the relationship. It's a focus on the relationship. So I'm just telling people up front, hey, here's what you need to know about that relationship. Here's how you grow in this relationship. Here's how you pursue this relationship. So I wrote that. Well, that was received well, then afterwards, people began to say, well, what does it look like after that? So I wrote a 30-day discipleship guide on what it looks like to pursue Jesus. A disciple is someone who pursues Jesus by loving God, uniting with the believers, serving the world, and entrusting the gospel. So there's one week dedicated to each of those four different topics. I, I wanted people to know, if you're going to pursue Christ, here's what that looks like. So guess what the title of it is? The Pursuit. I told you, I'm not creative with my titles whatsoever. I, I just simply want to tell people this is what it is. So afterwards, it now became one of those things where we're talking to people. They've gone through this. That's five weeks worth of material. But then... Other people still have questions. How do you keep them focused on what the relationship looks like? How do you teach them about the kingdom of God? How do you help them unpack the importance of where the word of God fits and why it's so important that they're in community with other believers? So basically, I went through and I wrote another piece. It's a 14-part mentoring guide. And that way, if you're sitting down and maybe you're just talking to somebody for like lunch one time a month, you can sit down with that person and you've got a guide to be able to say, here's what we want to cover today. And by the time you're done, they're covering topics that are leading them back into an intimate relationship with God, helping them understand what it's all about. So that 14-part mentoring guide is called The Journey. So all of that being said, there's now all of those pieces. They've been developed into all these different languages. And I just want to let you all hear. This is just one piece that came back to me after we had some of this material that had been translated. We were contacted by a group called Training Pastors International. They serve in about 13 nations in Central and South America. At any given point, there's about 1,700 or so pastors that are being trained by this particular group. And they ask if we would translate all of the material into Spanish and then come and bring teams and train their trainers because this would be the discipleship part of the curriculum that they're teaching as they're preparing pastors. 
So this is what I receive back afterwards uh, from the president of Training Pastors International. He said, hey, Paul, I am particularly grateful and excited about the discipleship direction that you have shared with TPI. This has been a critical element that was missing in our equipping. This year, from January through September, our students, pastors, and leaders have personally led over 6,000 people to Christ in their own villages and towns, and they planted 160 new churches. Thank you for being a part of that. Now listen to this. That's a snapshot of eight months. That one ministry, those guys have now seen over 127,000 professions of faith, 54,000 baptisms, and they've now planted 4,200 churches in Central and South America. That's one of these ministries. Now, I'm sharing that with you for three reasons. Number one, the gospel still changes lives 2,000 years later. We can never go wrong when we keep the focus on the gospel message. In fact, the apostle Paul was the one who said, I don't want to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's the gospel message. Here's another reason I'm sharing that with you. I want you to get a glimpse of how these materials are being used in just one ministry around the world. These are being used in different places. I'll share some of those on the uh, weeks ahead. And the third piece is I want to emphasize that the world will not be reached by simply adding people through evangelistic efforts. The world is reached when you make disciples who multiply themselves in making other disciples. Now, let me explain what I mean by that for just a moment. Let's say you are an unbelievably effective evangelist. When I say unbelievably effective, what, what I mean is, let's say you lead a person to Christ every single day of every single year for 33 years in a row. You know how many people you would have led to Christ? You would have led 12,045 people to faith in Christ which is incredible. Praise God. We need evangelism. I, I'm not downplaying evangelism. I'm simply showing how the gospel and making disciples is different than simply seeing people birthed into the kingdom and never developed into the kingdom. So if that person's unbelievably effective, 33 years of seeing somebody come to faith in Christ every day, 365 days a year, 12,045 people would have come to faith in Christ. If one person were to disciple one other individual for an entire year, and at the end of that year, those two now disciple two more. By the end of year number two, there's four disciples. If those four now disciple four more the next year, you got eight disciples. If those eight disciple eight more, you got 16. It's just each one spending a year working with and developing and making a disciple with someone else. In the early days, it looks as though making disciples pales in comparison to simple evangelistic efforts. But right around years 12 and 13, at year 12, there would have been 4,380 
people who came to faith in Christ if you're simply sharing the gospel 365. But at this, at year number 12, there'd be 4,096 disciples that are made. By year 13, making disciples doubles how many people have now come to faith in Christ. Listen to this. Guess how many disciples would be made at the end of 33 years? Eight billion. 589 million disciples. Oh, by the way, you could even speed it up from there. And that is, if you were to take three people through in a year, in different circles, they're called D3 groups, D4 groups. It, it stands for disciple three, disciple four. If you were to disciple three other individuals and then those three go out and disciple three more individuals, did you know that at year 21 in doing that, there would be 10,460,000,000 disciples who have been made? Here's my point in this. If we're going to reach the world for Christ... It has to be by making disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And if we're going to be about that, we got to know what a disciple is. we got to be effective in making disciples. And by the way, that's what happens if only one person starts that process. Imagine what would happen in the next several weeks if 25 people in here caught a vision for what we're talking about. Imagine what could happen if 100 people in here caught a vision for what we're talking about. The world could be changed in a matter of a handful of years. Listen, I am, I'm one of those strange people where I am a realist in everyday life, probably even borderline pessimist in some ways. I can see problems all the way around. But when it comes to making disciples, I'm one of the biggest optimists you're ever going to run into. Because I believe with all of my heart, when people get a glimpse of what it looks like, and here it is, and when they understand, it's not you having to fit more activity into an already busy life. But here's what we're doing. We're training you with the gospel so that you can bring the gospel into your everyday life. So whether or not you're a teacher or a business owner or you're a banker or you're in some other form of, of, of occupation, wherever you are, it's not an issue of how do you get more time over at the church. The issue is how do we get the gospel more into your circle of influence so that as you walk out your daily life, it's not adding to it. It's simply an expression of what God is doing in your life. I am excited about what we get a chance to get into. So, all of that being said, I'm gonna take a few moments and set some things up. And by the way, tonight is primarily set up. Tonight is kind of giving a big overview of what's going on so that you know the materials, what it is that we're gonna be going through, and you kind of have a framework to work with. So, here's how we're going to introduce things tonight. Here's, here's my question that I want you to ponder. This is your, your homework between now and next week. Think about this thought. Where does evangelism end and discipleship begin? Where does evangelism end and discipleship begin? 
So you could still noodle through that idea over the next couple of weeks, but I, I want to give you kind of the prevailing consensus on this. And that is, it's been taught that evangelism leads a person to Christ. Discipleship develops a person in Christ. Does that make sense for how most of you have been taught? Okay, evangelism, lead them to Christ. Discipleship, develop them in Christ. Makes sense. All right, based on that description, the point of salvation is the dividing line between evangelism and discipleship. But what if those two ideas are not two mutually exclusive concepts? What if evangelism and discipleship are woven together in the single fabric of the gospel. If that's the case, here, here's how you would explain it like this. Evangelism is proclaiming the gospel so that people may know Christ. Evangelism is proclaiming the gospel so that people may know Christ. Discipleship is teaching the gospel so that people may follow him faithfully. Okay? It's both exercises in the gospel. So if what we're going through, if this training is to make any sense, it is important that we understand the full reach of the gospel message. Many Christians associate the gospel with only what a person needs in order to be saved, and then after they're saved, you've got to go on to deeper matters. You've you got to dig into what does the Bible say about election and predestination, and what does the Bible say about end times, and what does the Bible say about all these other things. Here's the thing. It never gets deeper than the gospel. And I'm going to show you in the gospel how it is. In other words, every one of those deeper concepts that we think we need, they only have an understanding because the gospel is at their foundation. You remove the gospel... Those pieces don't have a place of understanding anymore. So you'll discover that this guide is one of those that makes the good news a part of the good news that you can live every single day of your life. I want you to listen to this quote from Dave Harvey. He is the pastor of Four Oaks Community Church there in Florida. Here's what he said. Everything in Scripture is either preparation for the gospel, presentation of the gospel, or participation in the gospel. Everything in Scripture is either preparation for the gospel, presentation of the gospel, or participation in the gospel. So I want to share a couple of gospel quotes with you for just a moment here. These are a number of those that I've picked up along the way that kind of emphasize those same pieces. This is from J.D. Greer. He said, the gospel is not just the diving board off of which we jump into the pool of Christianity. It is the pool itself. It is not only the way we begin in Christ, it is the way we grow in Christ. He also said in another place, believing the gospel is not the only way that we just become, or is not only the way we become Christians, it is the power that enables us to do every moment of every day the things that Jesus commanded us to do. In other words, the gospel doesn't end at the moment of salvation. Here's a quote from Tim Keller. He said, Is it impossible to address Christians and non-Christians at once if you misunderstand the gospel's versatility and centrality to life? The gospel is not just the means by which people get converted, 
but also the way Christians solve their problems and grow. The typical approach to the gospel is to see it as the ABCs of Christian doctrine only, the minimum truth required to be saved, the admissions test, the entry point. Then it is misunderstood that we make progress in the Christian life through the application of other biblical principles. If that were the case, then of course we could not do both evangelism and spiritual formation at the same time. Yet the gospel not only is the way we are saved, but also is always the solution to every problem and the way to advance at every stage of the Christian life. End of quotes. Now here's the reason I share those with you. If we ever stop short of the fullness of what the gospel message is all about. Sunday after Sunday, when you hear me talk about the gospel, you will think, Paul, move on. We're already saved. How many of you have already thought that? It's okay to be honest. We're all in church right now. The the thing is, if we don't understand that the gospel is essential, not only to be saved, but to live as a saved person, then every time you hear somebody talk about the gospel, you think, I already know that. That's already what I have placed faith in. When you understand, it's the Christian life. It's what you need from beginning to end. Then every time the gospel is brought up, here's what happens. Your ears perk up and you lean in a little bit closer. You're like, all right, what's he going to say about the gospel this time? I need the gospel every day, every hour in every part of my life. A second piece that's in this is, I've shared it already multiple times before. We never outgrow the gospel, we grow into the gospel. That is the reason that the title of this entire training is, this is the gospel. Now why did I just come right out and just say, this is the gospel? Here's the reason. If you were to go online and say, what is the gospel? Or what is the gospel of Jesus Christ? Here's the part that disturbs me. There is so much misinformation about what the gospel is. There's so much that has now been added in where it's now, there's different elements that are added. There's now different terms. For example, we, we talk about there being maybe a social gospel. Is a social gospel different than the gospel of Jesus Christ? There is now a term called prosperity gospel where it adds the benefits and wealth and all of these things and attaches the gospel to it. Is that the gospel of Jesus Christ? How many times have you heard somebody say, if you simply pray this prayer, God will save you? Well, what what happened to the necessity of repenting of your sin? If you begin to withhold parts of the message, it's no longer the gospel message. So we've got to be unbelievably clear. And when you're sitting down talking with someone and you bring up the gospel and they say, I already know that, here's your, here's your opportunity to say, what do, you, what do you know or how do you understand the gospel? Listen to what they tell you. And if it's not the gospel of Jesus Christ, we got to be clear in coming back and saying, this is the gospel. So the gospel, how many times have you heard me say this? The gospel is the good news of how it is that humanity was created for relationship with God. Our sin separated us from that relationship. 
There was nothing that we could ever do to make things right ourselves. But Jesus did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. He rose from the grave three days later that we might have life. And he offers eternal life, a reconciled relationship to those who will repent of their sin by placing faith in Jesus Christ. That's the gospel message. Now here's the reason I share the same thing with you over and over. I want it to be that by the time I get into one statement, you're completing that statement in your mind already. You've heard me say it so many times that you're like, I know where he's going with this. Here's the other reason that I'm sharing this. I don't want to give you a presentation. I, I don't want it to be that I just sit here and say, if you memorize this presentation, you will be okay with sharing the gospel. You know what? That goes dramatically wrong when somebody asks you a question in the middle of your presentation and they get you off track and you can't get back to your presentation. You know how frustrating that is? And by the way, it is not a good witness for Christ when you say, would you just hold your questions till later? I'm trying to give you the good news. <laughs> so here's what we're doing. We're training people in what is the process of redemption. When you understand the story of salvation, when you understand redemption, you can do what Jesus did, you can do what Peter did, you can do what Stephen did, and that is wherever they are, you can preach Jesus to them from there. But you first got to know the story. That's why understanding the gospel is so important. When you understand the gospel, you're able to walk into any one of those conversations. And by the way, even if somebody has a question that you cannot answer in that moment, all you got to do is say, that is a fantastic question. And I don't want to give you the wrong answer. So if you would, give me a couple of days and I'll get back to you. Did you know people respect that? They're okay with that. Here's where we mess up. All of a sudden, we just start winging it. And all of a sudden, bad theology starts flying. And I mean, we're misquoting scripture. And we got the Book of Mormon somehow tied into what we're teaching. And before you know it, the whole thing is off the rails. And we walk away like, "Woo! I'm glad I got out of that one. Hey, listen. Just tell the person, it's a great question. I'd love to get back to you on that. And you, you keep coming at it with the truths of God's word. So here's another one, and we're, we're almost done with this. So while many discipleship courses, um, many discipleship training pieces, focus on the actions of a disciple. When I say actions, I mean things like how you read your Bible, how you pray, how you learn your spiritual gifts so that you can serve. While many focus on the actions of a disciple, we're going to focus on the relationships of a disciple. We're going to focus on a disciple's relationship with God, vertical. We're going to understand relationship with the church, horizontal. And then we understand a third tier, and that is our relationship with the world. Did you know that Jesus kept all three of those relationships in perfect tension at all times? That's what we're trying to do, understand what it looks like to walk in tandem with our Savior, what it looks like for us to be rightly related to God, rightly related to the church, and rightly related to the world.
Imagine what would happen if you got a bunch of disciples who were living that way. So our final thought on this is going to be that this is the gospel. The training itself is going to be divided down into four different pieces. The first part is kind of the introductory pieces. That is, I'm just talking about the gospel. I'm going to be setting this up in several weeks. There's going to be a couple of messages that I'm going to be sharing. We're talking about theology in this. Then we're going to deal with the relationship. And that is that first piece. That is a one-week discipleship guide. Then we're going to get into the pursuit. That is a 30-day journey of what it looks like for you to walk with Christ, understanding what it means based upon New Testament teachings. Then we're going to get into the journey and how it is that you can use that in your life and how it can also be used in helping disciple others. So all of those pieces come together. Let me say this. It is really, really important that when you're using the material, when you're sharing it with others, that you go in order because each part is building upon the part that was shared previously. Now let me just kind of wrap it up by saying here's a number of ways that this can be used. First, if in your life you feel like I really wish someone would have taken the time to disciple me, this is a great piece for you. If you've hit a plateau in your walk with God and you're not sure what the next step is, this is a piece for you. If you feel as though there was a time in your spiritual journey when you are more excited and more focused and more passionately pursuing Christ than what you are right now, then this is for you. Walk through the material yourself. It brings you back to the basics and points you towards here's the big things that are trying to be achieved in your walk with God. Another way it can be used is in one-on-one training. If you lead somebody to faith in Christ, I encourage you, walk with them through the material. You know, I've taken both of my girls through this. This is a part of what we did with them in the summers. We'd sit there as a family. We would have a meal together. And after the meal was over with, I would sit there and we would walk through what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. This was a part of that process. And all I can say is it's written simply enough that regardless of the age of those that you're talking to, there's truths that can begin to get sunk into somebody's heart. When they get to 8, 9, 10 years old and beyond, it's fair game at that point. They will understand all the parts that we're walking through here. Another way that this can be used is in small group training. So whether or not there's a group of 8 to 10 people, you're just getting together and you're saying, you know what, I want to do this with some other people. This is a fantastic piece to be able to walk through with other people. You get a chance to discover and ask others who are on the same journey how it is that they're reading it. How are they seeing this? How is it being applied into their life? And here's one that I've been really excited about. This material is also one that's been used as the foundation of a lot of new church plants. And that is when they understand the mission is to make disciples, They build it in at the ground level so that everyone who is coming through, they're being trained in the same way to make sure that they are sending disciples. So all of the material that we're going to go through, if you want to get a head start on everything, you can simply go to thisisthegospel.com. 
thisisthegospel.com. And on that, there's an entire section of resources. There's a number of those translations that are already up. Every single part of what I have over here can be downloaded free on a PDF. You can start going through the, the material tonight if you would like to. All of it is made available and it's free. So now you all have the introduction. We cruised right through that in 43 minutes and 42 seconds. I was given 40 minutes and I was thinking, that's way more time than I need. Apparently that is not the case. So anyway, I'm grateful that you're going to be going with us on this. Uh, let's have a word of prayer and uh, we will dismiss for the evening. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, just for the opportunity that you give us to be able to go through discipleship resources, to be able to understand what it looks like for us to walk step in step with you. God, I'm praying that you would do something amazing through these resources. God, I'm praying that you would help people to see pieces that they've been bringing to you in prayer and they, the, the dots have not quite connected on certain points. Lord, I pray that you would help connect some of those dots. God, I pray that as we walk through the material, we have a greater and greater passion to know you and to walk faithfully with you. We will thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. Have a wonderful night.